Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Here's to new beginnings. Be a queen, not a pawn. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Zarina Fry. And I'm Allison Langer. And this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our she. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we bring you the story we've been searching for since June 24th, 2022, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. We put a call out then for men's abortion stories, and we have been waiting and waiting and waiting for men to step up. Today, Matt Kundal, our audio producer, shares his story, one man's abortion story. If you missed episode 138, there's always more to the story. You got to check it out because on that episode, Allison and I, well, mostly me, went off on how men had not been stepping up. And Matt, he was listening behind the scenes and he was getting pissed. And we know that because after the show, he told us and that fuel helped him write this story. The story that we bring you also addresses a really critical issue that memoirists struggle with, which is how do you tell a story that brings in other people in your life? Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but and um, and I want to give you a little bit of background on who Matt Kundal is because he's a lot more than um, our audio producer. Matt Kundal started voicing radio ads in the 90s. As his career progressed, he began to branch out into voice work for television and film. Matt is now president of the Sound Off Media Company, which offers audio solutions and podcast creation. We'll be back with Matt Kundal's story after the break. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I'm Zarina Fry, and this is Writing Class Radio. Here's Matt Kundal reading his story called One Man's Abortion Story. I'm the audio producer and editor of Writing Class Radio. Abortion has been front and center on the show since Roe v. Wade was overturned on June 24, 2022. When the call for men's abortion stories went out, I thought, 
I have one with a past lover, Marie. But after I wrote it, I chose not to submit it, for a lot of reasons. Then a few months later, while recording episode 138, which was called There's Always More to the Story, I listened as hosts Andrea and Allison discuss their frustration because only three men had submitted abortion stories so far. My job is to sit behind the scenes and listen for where the show will need edits. I heard the complaining. Andrea called men cowards. But I'm also really disappointed in men because we got three stories. Maybe we can put a call out for a story on why you don't want to tell your abortion story. As I listened to the speculation and pontification, I became irritated. I felt dismissed. Andrea knew I'd been working on my own abortion story. When she criticized men, I felt like she was talking to me. My reasons for not telling my story began to float through my head. Things like, one, I don't feel it is my story to share. I believe the story is co-owned with Marie. Two, writing class radio is a podcast. That means a story will likely live forever in audio form. What if my kids hear it? And Marie's kids? And what if people I went to college with hear it? Are they going to rush to their yearbooks to scour Facebook to figure out who we are? I don't know what they would say, but I never wanted to be the focus of gossip, and I certainly wouldn't want anyone judging Marie. Three, with that said, fuck y'all. Here's the story. I entered Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia as a political science and history major. The university was conservative in nature and still clung to its Baptist roots although the school was more famous for its festive and fun reputation. This was Canada in 1988, the same year Dr. Henry Morgenthaler finally won his Supreme Court case to provide safe and legal abortions for Canadians. My only encounter with abortion was from the CBC TV series Degrassi High. In the first two episodes of the 1989 season, one of the characters got pregnant, and she and her twin sister wrestle with the emotions of seeking an abortion. The scene where the two girls go into the abortion clinic was edited out by PBS. Abortion is murder! Stop the slaughter! Are you sure you don't want to have the baby? Yeah. I think what you're doing is really wrong. But you're my sister and I can't let you go alone. Thank you. Clearly, PBS thought the scene was too powerful for American teens to bear. In my graduating year of 1992... I lived fast and furious. I don't remember exactly how and when I met Marie, but it was three minutes before we were having sex. As the days to graduation trickled down, there was a three-week lull between final exams and graduation. Marie was on the pill. The sex was good. Too good. I didn't think about it again until six weeks after graduation when she called to tell me she was pregnant. I literally dropped the phone. I was 22 years old and had just started my dream job working for a radio station two time zones away. In that moment, my career flashed before my eyes. Then came the fear that I was not ready to become a father, nor tell my waspy stiff family that I had gotten a girl pregnant. I don't remember which of those feelings came before the other. I think it was about a day later when Marie suggested she have an abortion. I was relieved. She asked me if I would go with her and I said yes. I flew out to see her in late June 1992. She showed me her breasts and they were huge, then immediately took me upstairs for sex. The next day, her roommate Roberta lent us her Volkswagen Jetta so we could drive to Halifax for the abortion. I think she might have told Roberta we were going to the city to spend the day together to have lunch, shop, and do what romantic couples do. 
This would mark the first and only day we would publicly masquerade as boyfriend and girlfriend. We went to one of Dr. Morgenthaler's clinics. There were a few pro-life demonstrators to pass on the way up the stairs. The scene was similar to that on Degrassi High. We headed straight in and the receptionist said, pay no attention to them. I handed the woman $300 cash. I didn't have a credit card and I doubt they would take a check. I felt obligated to pay. I didn't think abortion was something you go Dutch on, like a first date. I sat in the waiting room for what could have been one hour or four hours. I don't remember. Before leaving, Marie was told not to have sex for 30 days and to follow the suggestions on the pamphlet. As we took the one-hour drive home, Marie began to feel some afterpains. I felt a little scared and helpless as we got back to her apartment where she lay down. A few hours later, she asked if I would drive her to the local clinic because of the discomfort. They sent her home with some high-grade painkillers. Later that night, as the painkillers kicked in, she asked me to roll over and have sex with her. I asked her if she was sure, and she said yes. This time, I understood that she just wanted to feel me close. Marie had also graduated that year. She moved home to live with her mother two hours away and was on a career to working as a nurse. I went back to the broadcast career that had been saved by the abortion. About six months later, I returned to that small university town to hang with some friends. I did not expect to run into Marie at the student pub. That led to a fight, followed by sex. The following July in 1993, Marie was visiting a friend in the same city where I was working. We had sex on her friend's apartment floor, and then I never saw her again. As the 90s went on and we moved to the 2000s, I would sometimes Google her. The only hit on Google was an obituary for her mother. More recently, I stumbled upon her two kids who were in their late teens and early 20s. There are no pictures of Marie, though. No Facebook or Instagram to satisfy the nostalgic lurker in me. And it's probably just the way she wants it. I wonder what would happen if we ran into one another. How would she feel? I've looked in my heart and I know she would be happy to see me. But if there was a reason why she would be angry, it might be because I shared this story on a podcast. Obviously, I'm risking it. Here are my reasons. 1. I don't think telling my story is going to change policy, but I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of either. 2. I do own half the story, and it was helpful to go back and piece together all the parts I'd put away over 30 years ago. It wasn't fun exactly, but I learned something about myself, and that's important. 3. I'm 50-something years old, and I learned I am no longer controlled by the fear of being judged or being the focus of gossip. So what do you guys think of Matt's story? First of all, I'm so impressed with Matt that he wrote the story. I love when people get angry. You know, and anger is a really good motivating factor for writing sometimes. So I love that he was like, fuck these girls. I'm going to just tell them my story. I'm not going to, I'm going to have to stand fuck up for y'all. all men. Yeah. Fuck, fuck y'all. y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody no, loves a that good was, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that that should be the title of the story. That's the subtitle. <laughs> men, a man's abortion story fuck y'all here's the story <laughs> like it made me laugh out loud so that's always a a good thing right when something can make you just it brings it out of you yeah i think it's even poetic that the the first man abortion story is from the actual producer of writing class radio and the way that he calls it the way it starts you know behind the scenes you know there's something about that that he's listening to this and the fact that 
you know, Andrea calls him out. I wanted to hear that part. I guess that was that's what you're talking about, Andrea. Like, I think that would be a great way to just insert that in there. I just want to say this to the listener, sorry, because there's something different about the way we're recording today. So Matt is not in the background today. We were trying out a different recording method um, for two episodes ago. So Matt was literally on the screen, but he wasn't saying anything. Oh, and Zarina, you were absent that day. Bummer. But while Alice and I were talking, and mostly me, while I was like, why are men such cowards? Matt thought I was talking to him and he couldn't respond because he was in the background. So um, I wasn't exactly talking to him, but maybe I was. But okay, excellent that anger fueled this story. And I agree, this is really well written. But I want to know what you guys think because Matt and I went back and forth with it. And the way he just, you know, all his reasons for not telling his story, I like that he was very methodical about it. One, two, three, you know, and at the end of it, it was just like, you know what, this is just what it is. And he brought the numbers back. One, two, three. Whose idea was that? Yeah. Okay. It was his, he had the numbers at the beginning and I thought it was adorable, like very quirky and Matt like, like very, I mean, I don't know Matt that well, but it was so voicey. He was like, one, it's not my story alone. Two, I don't want to be the focus of gossip. Three, well, fuck y'all. Like, so he had the numbers. And then at the end, I was like, wait, you're listing. So this is an editor's touch. And I said, bring the numbers back. And I feel like Zarina felt it as poetry. And so did I when we heard it. I liked it, right? Worked. Yeah. Everything's poetry to me. So (laughs) when it sounds good, I wanted to um, touch on the fact that I'm just doing like this overview, but I wanted to touch on the fact that the reason why he decided to have the abortion that he went along with it, it wasn't because, you know, something bad had happened or there was like, if she went along with the pregnancy, something would have happened to her. It was because it was for selfish reasons. It was because they simply wanted to. And fuck y'all. That's like, that's for them to do. That's, that's their choice. And also, well, I'm going back into poetics now. The reason, the reason why at the end here, there was a moment, Zarina, in the story when she tells him, he said, I literally dropped the phone. My career flashed before my eyes. And then he got afraid of one, being a father and two, telling his parents. And then a few seconds later, I mean, a few sentences later, she tells him that she's having the abortion and he feels relieved. And I fucking love that. It's so feels so true of a 22 year old and it's unapologetic. It just is. And that's another thing about this story that I, I feel is really just honest. A hundred percent agree. The thing I was trying to find in this uh, story was the way he said something, it almost echoed policy like the reason why he should be able to still choose if that's what he wants to do and i can't find it but it's just because he didn't it was it was very subtle and he really wasn't talking about policy he was still talking about himself you know oh cool find that that's a i like that idea okay you find it while i chat I just, because I always like to bring everybody in and maybe somebody listening right now is like, that's selfish. I can't listen to this podcast. You know, um, anybody who feels that way is not me and I can't relate. But 
I just want to bring that up because there are going to be many people who doubt or who disagree. And what do you guys say to that? So you're saying there will be people out there who are, you know what? You shouldn't just have an abortion for selfish reasons. Is that what you're saying? And what do we say to them? Well, I mean, we're a podcast that shares personal stories and this is one man's abortion story. So this isn't everyone's story. This is, we're getting inside Matt Kundal's head. And so for someone else, yeah, I, someone else may not agree, but, but we're not judging. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I guess we are, I am judging because I'm cheering for this guy because his politics align with mine. But I hope that stories can transcend that. Actually, we do have a story coming out. We mentioned this in episode, um, what was it? 138. We mentioned that Corey Arthur wrote a story that was just way too long and he did condense it. And in that story, he doesn't agree with abortion. So we do have an abortion story coming up someday soon where the narrator, his politics don't align with mine. And I still love that story. Yeah. I mean, just the beauty of telling stories, you don't always have to agree with somebody, but it brings you closer to that person. It helps you understand them. And then I think that Matt dragged his feet a little bit to tell the story, not only for all those reasons, but because maybe he wasn't proud that he did that. And he didn't want to be disagreed with. And he didn't want people to, you know, he didn't want to take a side. We know why Matt dragged his feet. And that's what, that's what this story is about. He didn't want to be the subject of gossip. And he's lived his life, it sounds like, very afraid that people would judge him. And also he didn't want Marie to be judged. And that's his journey. At the very end, he comes to, well, I'm in my 50s now and I'm not afraid of gossip. Maybe he is still a little bit, but that's what he comes to. That's where he lands. And I'm like, cool. So this story really does have a turning point for him. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what I love so much about writing. It helped him get rid of these secrets that he's carrying and just be like, fuck it. I'm too old for this shit anymore. I'm not carrying this around with me anymore. I'm just going to do it. And at this point, I don't really care if you like me or you don't. Okay, that's fine. But I need to get this off my chest. It's something that's important to me. And I feel like the journey of writing and healing is just so important. So I'm glad. And that was another one of his numbers that it helped him to go back and look deeply into himself. That was helpful. That was so beautiful. Matt's not a writer, not that kind of writer. And he, he did that and it was therapeutic and thought provoking. And uh, I so respect him. So proud Serena, of him. did you find that part? Yeah, I did. And I think that his writing is a testament to this podcast. I mean, he's been listening all this time and he's picked up a few things. So of course he would write this thing pretty good. He was also very open to edits and reworking and rewrites. And it came in pretty clean, but he reworked it a few times. So good job, Matt Kondal. Definitely. So basically it's, it goes back to the, the first, his explanation of of uh, why he decided to drag his feet and why he wants to tell the story. Number one, I felt dismissed. To me, that like echoes policy, like just the feeling. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, think about that. Just the way the policy is of women not being able to 
make a decision about their body. Uh, number two, I don't feel it's my story to share. Like you could just take out story and just substitute that with body. I just feel like that what he was saying was just kind of echoing, right? I keep saying that because that's what I felt. And then that number three is, I think is, is where he really got vulnerable. What will other people think about it? You know? And I mean, you just talked about that. So I'm not going to rehash that. So. Amazing. I love how you just reframe that in, in terms of policy and in terms of body and body integrity and all the words that people use around abortion. But I want to talk about another thing that this whole episode could be about, because this is a memoirist nightmare, which is how do you tell stories when a story that you're telling your story involves other people and whose story does it? Yeah, I don't have the answer to that. I'm still struggling myself. <laughs> I know that you've been dealing with that, Andrea, for a while. So do you have a, a explanation or like a, a help, helpful tip? I mean, I have a few sort of pat responses. And one of them is this um, I've quoted because this has been true for me. People always ask me, like, how do you tell stories about people in your life? You know, your wife, your kids, your parents. When I wrote my miserable, lonely lesbian pregnancy and I called my dad's wife something not very nice. And I accused my dad of being a whore cheater. Um, And he said, that's your story. I have mine. Like he was supportive of me telling my story. And I go to this, but I just got lucky really. But I go to this um, Dr. Seuss quote, which is something like, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. And that's always been true for me. But it's not always true for everybody because some people really do have to be careful when they implicate someone else in a story they're telling. And I basically, okay, here's my answer. Write the story. Always write the story, all the stories that you need to write, even if they bring in other characters and they make other characters not look so good. Two, if you're making someone else not look good, you got to make yourself not look good too. That's always uh, a rule of writing class radio be the biggest asshole in your story. But three, don't worry about publication yet. You just really have to write the story. And then when it's time for publication, then you have to make peace with the people in your family or make peace with losing some people, maybe. So that's my long answer. And it's varied and very personal. That's a great one. I like how Matt grappled with it. Because in the end, he doesn't know how Marie would feel if she heard this story. I like your advice of the way you reworded being the biggest asshole in your story. If you're making someone else not look good, then you have to make yourself not look good. I mean, that's like an ego check right there. So, I mean, I think that's like the heart of memoir writing. I think Matt did it too. Matt admitted that he was relieved. He showed us the 22-year-old boy in him through and through. He, all he really cared about was sex. And it was, they weren't even boyfriend, girlfriend. I mean, he was just, oh, oh my God, I dropped the phone. Like, what am I going to do now about my life? So he didn't try to be a hero here. But in the end, he was so endearing. Yeah, the part where um, he says, the career saved by abortion. That's cold. <laughs> that is cold, but it's his story. It's and the it's, truth. You know, mm-hmm. love how you just reread that. As he sees it, as he understands it, 
he doesn't know what would have happened if. But the other part yeah. I liked is when he set up the sex was good, too good. And then like every time they meet, it's like whatever happens, they're going to put they're going to get it in. Like, just like, yeah. he's gonna get it in. <laughs> Here's to new beginnings. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Matt Kundal, for sharing your story. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer, Andrea Askwitz, and Zarina Fry. Audio production by Matt Kundal, Evan Serminski, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including stories to study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. For $25 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join me on Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Eastern time, or me, Zarina, on Wednesdays at 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level, for $125, you'll get first draft and second draft. In second draft each week, three people bring a second draft for feedback. Join the community that comes together for instruction and an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writing class radio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? No, you can't miss your own book. It leaves ready. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.